Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. It's a privilege to speak to you today, and I'm going to use it as, as a kickoff to what I'm sharing here. Um, America means a lot to Australians far more than you realise. Uh, every time you go into a fight, we just go along. No matter where it is. Oh, yeah, we're in. No worries. The big fella's in. We'll go in. Have a go. That goes back to a history where you basically saved our nation in World War II. I had the privilege, the first ever crusade I did, major crusade I did outside, or uh, big open air that I ever did, was in, I flew in over some beautiful blue water into a place called Honiara, which you probably never heard of, but you would have heard of the island we're on. It's called Guadalcanal. And every older American, younger Americans probably don't know where that is. And it's a disgrace if you don't know your history of just what was achieved by your forces through the South Pacific and the fighting that saved our nation. Um, You should be so proud of the young men that Many of them never came home. 3,000 never left Guadalcanal. 25,000 Japanese died there, but 3,000 young Marines, and many of them 17, 18 years of age, died there. I was preaching there, and uh, I realised that the very airstrip that we landed on was the airstrip that had been contended for. The Japanese were building it in World War II as a base so they would control the air, and and whoever controls the air, as we know, in military power controls and it would have been the most powerful base possible right there in the most strategic area of the South Pacific and the Japanese knew that and they were building an airstrip there and the American Marines landed and 1st Marine Division and so any, any Marines here today, ex-Marines, Marines, where are you? Good on you, good on you, any others? How many military? Any other Marines around? Our theme song for our football team, we used the, we stole your theme song. We're the pride of South Australia, we're the mighty Adelaide Crows. But anyway, I'm not going to spend long here with this, but we uh, met a man, his name is Frank Pomeroy. Frank landed, he was, his ship was sunk the first night over there. Um, a Betty bomber was shot down, went straight down the funnel of their ship. The aviation fuel filled, he was thrown out, he finished up on a mattress in shark infested waters, 17 years of age, picked up on a destroyer, as they were going out at evening they heard incredible naval gunfire, they turned straight back round, went back into one of the biggest naval battles of the war, Um, America lost three cruisers that night, I think it was the Astoria, the three of them went down, a number of capital ships went down that night, the Australians lost their flagship, the Canberra, we lost our ship there big uh, heavy cruiser went down and a number of ships hit the bottom that night. Um, he wound up landing there on Guadalcanal on the very first night of battle at 17. He faced the charging battalions of Achiki, who's fresh back from the rape of Nanking. And uh, his troops charged into the ranks of Marines, young guys. 17, 18, 19 years of age that had come out of the Midwest and they'd come out of little-known towns and some of them were farm boys and just young guys, fresh-faced. Many of them hadn't even shaved yet and they were 
suddenly in their marine outfit facing the onslaught of hardened Japanese troops who had gone right through the, uh, the, the middle of the South Pacific. They'd gone down through Asia. They'd walked through countries like it was going out of business and now they expected to walk over these kids. But they didn't realise that there was something in those American boys, something there that said, we're remembering Pearl Harbour and we are Marines. We are Americans, don't mess with us. And they took their stand that night, overseen by a man who every American should know. His name was Chesty Puller. Chesty Puller was a, my, my close friend, was new Chesty, decorated with 53 medals, I think seven Navy crosses and uh, whatever. And he would stand up there with bullets flying around, he'd swat them off. It seems like they were mosquitoes fearless men but he stirred those young men the leadership of these young men the defiance of these young men was so strong that at the end of the night 1200 Japanese lay dead across the beach sharks were pulling their bodies out to sea and 30 marines were killed in their first night of action the Japanese did not estimate the the number the leadership and the fighting spirit and those young guys went on through, and I got a picture of Frank Pomeroy. Where's Frank? Frank's my very close friend. It's a picture of him in Palalau. He fought right through the islands, right up to Palalau. And in that photo, he's got three machine gun bullets in one leg. A bayonet, no, a, a, a gentleman, a Japanese guy, had charged into a trench with a bayonet, and he'd, he, Frank shot him, and the bayonet went into his knee, straight into Frank's knee. He hadn't drunk water for two days because the water was being brought up there and it had diesel in it. They couldn't drink it. He was without water in the tropics. He'd given himself half a day to live and they found him sitting there like that. It's a famous photograph. I got to know Frank, went over the battle sites and I learned a lot about the fighting spirit and the attitude of the American military. And I had the privilege of preaching. I was preaching up in... Uh, up near Boxford, Massachusetts, I was preaching at a conference up there and I felt like I should go and see Frank and I went and saw him, he's on his deathbed. I just felt to go and I remember holding his hand, leading him to Christ on his deathbed, tears running out of his eyes as I led him to Christ. Ten minutes later, he went into heaven. Ten minutes later. But I learned something and I learned that America has a fighting spirit. When you're against the wall, no one needs mess with you. And you stand up. You stand up strong. Because somehow you know what's in you. But I think God is speaking to us now. That was there. That was the onslaught of military forces. But we are up against unseen forces right now that are every bit as deadly or more that seek to run over our nation, to swamp our nation with godlessness, to swamp the Western world and swamp the world with godlessness and, and ideologies that stink. And so God is looking and saying, I know what was in those guys in battle, but what's in my people? And I think it's time for the church to ask the question, what's in us? Who are we? What are we called to do? 
God, what can you do through me? What do you want to put on me? I come from a military family. Every one of my uncles, my great uncle was a, he went from a private to a general after World War I and was one of the highest decorated soldiers in the, uh, the war in, in the Middle East and one of the first soldiers to ride into Jerusalem, decorated with the Distinguished Service Order and Bar and recommended for two more and went on to be a general shortly afterwards, went from a private to a general in about eight years. There's something, I want that in me. I want that in me. At the end of my time, I don't want to be remembered for just going through life as a Christian. I make a mark, have an impact. So I want to know who I am. I want to know what the Bible says I am. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, wrote to the Ephesian church to tell them, I want you to know who you are. He says, I really want you, and I think God is talking to the American church and saying, who are we? Australian church, who are we? To the church across the earth, it's time to stand up. It's time to know what we have and who we are. So in Ephesians chapter one, Paul writes this. He says, from the time I heard about your love, And I heard about your faith. He said, I do not cease to pray for you. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. He says, I want you two things at the start. to have a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of intimate revelation as to who He is. I want to know Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's in us. He said, I cease not to pray these things. Number one, that you might know the hope of your calling. The word hope is the Greek word elpis, which means confident, certain expectation. He said, I want you to know the certain expectation of this enormous thing that you're called into. We've been called into such an adventure. We have been called into something so enormous, something so huge. I mean, I turn 70 next year and uh, we just started. We're just like John Paul Jones. Are you ready to surrender? No, we've just begun to fight. Another one of you guys. John Paul Jones. If we had time, you need to... Young people particularly, grab your American history. You've got an incredible history. No nation on earth has that. Well, you've got victory after victory. You're born, to, you're born for victory. This country is born for victory. We don't have the devil to undermine it. We don't want to lose our values. Bible says that you might know the hope of your calling. This year, Jackie and I, we're going to be in the Philippines. We're going to land in, going into Leyte, which was a huge battle site, right where MacArthur walked back into that nation, waded in through the water. They've just had a tsunami that killed a lot of people and wiped out homes. We're going in there for a crusade. They haven't had one since Jimmy Swaggart was there years ago. And we're going to do a big city wide there. We're going to New Guinea. We'll have 100,000 a night up there. And Vanuatu, we had half the city there last year. And we're in India. We've got a big team going out with 40 or 50,000 a night. And we just want to make a mark. The next few years, 
there's a hope, there's an excitement about the calling of God. I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and feel like I just lived a good Christian life. I want to get to the end of it, so do you, with a knowledge that we've had an impact on our planet. The Bible says that you might know the hope of your calling and the riches of your inheritance in the saints in glory. The riches of the weight of copious splendor that's ours. And then it says that you might know the unlimited magnitude of power. I think it's about Ephesians 1, about 18, 20 maybe. You might know the unlimited magnitude of divine power that's towards us. You know what I believe? I believe it's the church. It's the church's time right now to begin to understand the unlimited power. See, a lot of churches are scared of the power of God. A lot of churches just don't want to, don't want that release of the power of God. They don't want the supernatural of God. But God says, you shall receive divine power, miraculous enabling after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you to bear witnesses, to demonstrate to the nations. Bear witness of me. Every miracle that happens bears witness of the fact that Jesus is alive from the dead. It's time for the church to show forth the raw power of the early church. It's time for us to carry a dimension of power as strong as the early church and stronger. Bible says the latter rain will be greater than the former rain. Let the church be the church that you might know the unlimited magnitude of divine power that is usward who believe. Where is it? King James says usward. That's you would, me would, who believe. He said, I want you to know the unlimited dimension. The Greek word is hoopabello megathos, hoopa over and and above. Hoopabello to throw, bello to throw. Far beyond, way out of reach. And then Megathos, or Megas, or Mega. He said, I want you to know the Mega, beyond reach, incalculable power, dimension of power that's towards us. He says, So you know what this power is? It's according to the working of his mighty power. That word working is the Greek word energeo which is forceful, powerful, impacting power. According to the working of his mighty power, two Greek words, kratos and iskus. Kratos, dominion, the dominion of God. Kratos is chain-breaking, city-shaking, dead-raising power. Power to raise the dead, power to lift the cripple, power to cast out devils, power to break through, power to smash through in the spirit. Nishkus, forcible, forcible strength. Paul writes and he says, I pray the eyes of your understanding would be flooded with divine light that you can know the hope of your calling. You see, our eyes tell us one thing, but God says, I want to open up another set of eyes. I want to open the eyes that are the eyes of faith that take you into a realm that's unrestricted by time, distance, or man's limitations. He said, I keep praying that 
These eyes would be opened that you might know the hope of your calling, the riches of your inheritance and the unlimited magnitude of divine power, us would who believe. And he says, I want you to know what this power is. He said, it's according to the forceful dominion of the same power that went through the dead body of Jesus when God raised him from the dead. What's he saying? What's he saying? He said, church, I want you to live in the dynamic, incalculable, unrestricted manifestation of the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want you to carry it. I want to carry it in my hands. I want to carry it in my words. I want to carry it into these nations where the enemy is seized. I remember the first time I preached in Pakistan. Preached next to a mosque in a big tent next to a mosque in Karachi. I, was a, I only went because I didn't know anyone that had been there before. Started with a thousand people. Miracles started to break out. Five nights later, this tent we're in that seated 20,000 was packed out with as many outsiders inside. And one night, the Spirit of God hit that place so powerfully that it took an hour for the testimonies of cripples that were lined up way beyond out that door here. Little kids that had never walked. When we finished in this, this crusade, people from all over Pakistan had come. Little women were sitting there holding the tent poles, begging, please don't pull this down. We've come miles. Please don't pull this down. We want what you have. Bible says of Peter and John, as they beheld the boldness of Peter and John and recognised that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they took note they'd been with Jesus. Then it says in Acts 4.33, with great power, great demonstration of power, they bore witness to the fact that Jesus was alive from the dead. You see, what's our role in this society? It's to go out and let a doubting, humanistic, anti-God world know See, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are divinely powerful through God to the demolishing of fortresses. Then it tells us what they are. We are destroying speculations, reasonings, humanistic ideologies, raised up against the knowledge of God. And we live in a society where everything we're confronted with Rises up against the knowledge of God. What's the antidote? I put to you that I believe the great antidote is going to be a church rising up in the demonstration and the power of God such that they cannot deny it. They cannot ignore it. Let the church be the church. Let the church be the church and the fullness thereof. <coughs> that we might know the unlimited manifestation of divine power that's towards us so that we might know what it is. It's the same power that was there at the garden tomb. And God says it's in you because my Bible tells me that if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes to actually indwell me, he's going to raise my mortal body. But if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes to flood me and fill me, 
and I am joined with him, one spirit with him, quickened together with him, raised together with him, seated with him, then I'm a carrier. I'm quickened together. Christ is actually in me. The king of the resurrection, the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Says, I'll come within you and I'll manifest my resurrection power out of you. God's about to sweep across the church. God is about to sweep across the church. I feel like God has said for a long time, I'm holding my peace. I feel prophetically this morning to say for a long time, I've held my peace. I feel it for our nation, for this nation. For a long time, I've held my peace. But now I'm standing up and I'm about to deliver a war cry in my, among my people. I'm about to raise up a generation of the anointing. I'm about to raise up a generation of people who are not just nominal quiet Christians, but I'm raising up a body of people armed with the full armour of God, ready to go in and impact and make an impact on this generation. Bible says my people will volunteer in the day of my power. Sit at my right hand, says the Lord, to the Lord in Psalm 110. Sit at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall stretch forth the strong scepter of authority up from the midst of Zion. That's us, God's people, saying, Rule thou. Rule thou and have dominion. Rule. Have dominion. If through one man's death, sin, death reigned, how much more shall we, who have received the gift of righteousness, reign as kings in life by one Christ Jesus? We're born. He's purchased us out of every tribe and every kindred. And he's made us kings and priests on the earth and we shall reign. This is an exciting day. This is an exciting day. It's an exciting day to go to Las Vegas. This is an exciting day to be in Orange County. This is an exciting day to go to the nations. I'm going to go back to Guadalcanal again next year. I've just got it in my, in my heart, even talking today. Paul said, and I'm finished. He said, I cease not to pray that the eyes of your understanding would be flooded with divine light that you can know the hope, the certainty of your calling. And the riches of the glory of your inheritance and the unlimited manifest power that is towards us who believe. Working of his mighty power that was exerted in Christ. Quickening power. It's the power that changes a life. It's the power that breaks the devil's hold. It's the power that'll take a cancer out of your body. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. 